0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast that Marcus is slowly transforming into his ideal video game podcast. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And to continue our guest star trend for these past, I think, five episodes, we are welcoming our very first sibling onto the podcast. So welcome, Andrew. Now, Andrew, you have the very high honor of being the person who we came to to help name the podcast. And you came up with the uh, the name Bestie on the Couch. So thank you so much for uh, <laughs> assisting with the genesis of this podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. I, I remember that day actually so vividly because we were at home we're hanging out with our other sister. Uh, I was hanging out with my other sister, Haley, and uh, Iris was saying, Hey, can you guys help us uh, brainstorm topics? And, I, I won't reveal the actual genesis of like where that idea came from, but there were some Ooh, other mystery. great ideas. Uh, <laughs> there were there were some other fantastic ideas there. I too, just remember,
2: but... I remember coming downstairs and being like, "They want to name this podcast Anna Mediation, and that's terrible." Listen, and I listen. I need a better <laughs> idea to prevent this from like happening.
3: Listen, I'll I'll, I'll capitulate on it. It was it's a better name, okay? I'll capitulate. <laughs> we have Andrew what? to thank for
1: it. Uh, well, no, it's it's great to be on here. And it's, it's been so much fun listening to you guys over the, the past couple of years and just thinking some, how some things of mine when it comes to animation has mirrored what Iris has uh, grown up with because obviously growing up together. But then noticing the divergences between the two after graduating from high school, leading different lives in Chicago and Boston uh, during university. And that's been so much fun. And I can't wait to uh, get into uh, Halo Legends with y'all.
2: Yeah, and for those of you uh, listening at home who do not know us, uh, or b- no, do not know both of us in real life, uh, Andrew is my twin brother. Uh, so we've got that uh, special little, little uh, kind of shared history.
0: Yeah, I was uh, going to let our listeners try to guess who this, who <laughs> whose sibling you were. But hey, I guess bro, the how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael! It's so oh my god, growing up with you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, and uh, today we have Andrew on the podcast because we are talking about the Halo anime anthology series, Halo Legends. Directed by Frank O'Connor and Joseph Cho, the series was released in February 2010 and consists of seven short films set in the Halo video game franchise universe. Each film was produced by an individual anime production house with names like Studio Bones and Toei Animation contributing, and was overseen by 343 Industries. The film explores different stories in the Halo universe, and served to stylistically flesh out the Halo canon. Well, except for one of those films. The series was met with mostly positive reviews, having a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes as of this recording, with some praising the films as a good stepping stone into the Halo universe, and others calling it essential viewing for other Halo fans. And, as always, there will be spoilers. So, I'm not sure if I'm the only one who's watched Halo Legends previously, but I'm getting that, uh... That sense, just uh, based on the pre-podcast talk that we've had, but I watched this series uh, relatively soon after it came out. I I played the Halo games before. I I the first Halo game that I owned was Halo Reach, which is the fourth game in the franchise. I played Halo 3 at my friend's house uh, when we were staying over for sleepovers, but Halo Reach was when I first got into the game, and that was around the time when Halo Legends first came out. And so I remember watching this series on uh, YouTube, on the various bootleg channels that stripped the individual... uh, series and films uh, each of the seven films into their own separate youtube video and i remember watching these episodes online and kind of getting into the halo lore and uh, experiencing it through these videos and that obviously led me down the halo wiki rabbit hole to figure out more about the lore of the flood the forerunners uh the humans as well and yeah a young middle school age alex a Liked these films. Um, I think it was like a quality, a, a core memory. In my uh, appreciation for the Halo lore. I've re-watched these films recently. And. While some of them are still good. Uh, and I still have some of my favorites. There are some definite. Uh, ones that kind of fall off the wayside. That were. We're looked at with rose tinted glasses, I guess. I mean, you could that's say. that's
2: a very diplomatic way of putting it. <laughs> there are some that are bad. <laughs> yeah. Like just just bad.
0: Uh yeah, I remember I remember actually liking the uh samurai elite episode, the duel as a kid. Uh when rewatching this, I'm like, okay, this is this is kind of cringe. Um I guess that kind of explains my middle school tastes. Uh but yeah, I right now my take on it is that. I think we can split up these seven episodes. Half of them, at least three of them fall on the good spectrum for me. And the rest, are there's a couple definitely bad ones and the rest are kind of meh. But, uh, what about the rest of y'all? What are your histories with the halo franchise? And, uh, what did you think of halo legends as a whole? So halo, the original halo
2: combat evolved video game holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, It was probably, like, the first, like, video game I played, like, you know, not, like, seriously, obviously, I was very young, but, like, you know, prior, like, my experience with video games had been, like, you know, watching my older siblings play Oregon Trail or Roller Coaster Tycoon or, you know, Age of Empires and all great stuff, but Halo was the first video game that I, like, really got deeply into, like, on my own account, and I don't know how this happened, but we had, like, a demo disc Uh, for Halo Combat Evolved, like, Lying Around, which only let you play, uh, like, one level. And then I beat that a bunch, and I was like, I want to play the rest of the game. And then my parents, not knowing what ESRB ratings were, I was like, (laughs) ah, sure, here you go, and... (laughs) You know, here's little, like, 9 or 10-year-old Iris, like, playing this game with blood everywhere and Marines cussing up a storm. And well, it, it that was, was a great time. That's because it was
1: aliens, Iris. It was okay because it was aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, was,
4: it, was, it was, was purple, It was blue right? fluorescent blood. Yeah, it, was,
1: it yeah, wasn't Yeah, it's, it's not real I mean, violence. you know, when the
2: humans died, they, 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 they had red blood. But, you know, we're not going to, Yeah, know, they,
3: they just respawn too. It. It's fine. Yeah, it's yeah, fine.
2: Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, I got I got so deeply engrossed in the 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 first Halo game and like the the storytelling there as well was a big part of it. Like truly I do think part of why I look so much for story in video games was that first experience with Halo and this like all this uh incredible sort of atmospheric work that that first game does i mean the flood levels like ooh baby is just incredibly well do- well done game design and so it's it's sort of held a really close place in my heart you know to this day to this day i love first person shooters i loved pretty much all the halo games I, you know once they I finally all the rest of them came to pc i played through them all, I mean, like, super loved them, super, like, adored them. I even remember, like, going and buying one or two of the, like, novelizations, you know, years and years ago. Um, But it's always sort of been one of those things that, like, fascinated me. Because Halo lore, in particular, is this sort of rabbit hole You know, that the more you pull back, the more you uncover, the more there is to it. And it's not unique in that way. There are plenty of video games. There are plenty of like just franchises in general that that's true of. But a lot of things I I feel like particularly with like video game lore, a lot of those can tend to feel sort of like empty or it's like this thing happened and that thing happened. And there's all these stories that happened 15,000 years before the video game takes place. That's really not all that interesting. Halo's lore is interesting and Halo's lore has complexity to it. Uh, and yeah, I just, I I've always thought it's really cool, but never heard of this, you know, the Halo Legends until
3: about a month ago. Um, same. I had no idea that this thing even existed when it was pitched to me. Uh, it was something akin to, remember that thing they did with Star Wars, Star Wars Visions? Imagine that 10 years ago and probably really bad. (laughs) Or like, like Marvel's What If. (laughs) Yeah, um. Yeah, like uh I'm on a similar boat to you, Iris. Halo was pretty big in my house. Uh Halo one, I for some reason not so much. Halo two, though. My brother my brother and myself, we played so much of that game. Halo three, one day we spent an entire day trying to flip over an elephant on that stand on that sand level. <laughs> that was a good time. Did you do it? Uh, we did, we got it. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Um, playing all the forge stuff. And then like uh, Alex, you and I bonded a lot over playing Halo Reach together. We did. That was that was really fun. Um, anyway, um, this show is very interesting because <laughs> you're right, Alex. There are like, like there are two or three in this of the seven that I'm like, yeah, that was pretty good. I watched it for the first time two days ago. By the way, there was like two or three, and I was like. Okay, yeah, some overused tropes here and there, but uh, whatever. And then there was the other two that was like, "What? I can't. I'm. Am I having a stroke right now? I can't. <laughs> this is not even intelligible. That I'm like, how did this get past people? And uh, yeah, it's interesting. This I this this was wild <laughs> when I watched this. I I certainly went on a ride. Um, obviously we'll be going into more details uh soon enough, but. This uh, this show is I want to say like uh, it's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster. It, it really is.
2: I want to take a stab at the two that you found unintelligible. Was it Odd One Out and uh, uh the Duel? The,
3: yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I found those both unintelligible as well. Odd One Out, the Dragon Ball one, because the content was so fucky, yeah. and the Duel, uh, because the animation was so fucky. Yeah.
4: <laughs> All right. Well, here's what I'll say about this. Um. I actually did not grow up with Halo. Uh, my parents did understand ESRB ratings, and they did not <laughs> hey. let me play violent video games. And I also did not own an Xbox or a PlayStation, so I missed P- Halo CE, I missed 2, I missed 3, I missed Reach, I missed 4, I missed 5. Uh, and I was only able to play the Halo games for the first time with the MCC, which only came out a couple of years ago. Uh, but I was very big into Halo lore. Uh this is actually kind of funny because Andrew was uh, explaining. This is kind of what he did. He would you know go on the wiki, fall down the rabbit hole, learn about all this lore. I was doing the exact same thing. I think we I all did so, it. I was so jealous of not being able to play <laughs> Halo that I had to I had to learn the entirety of the Halo knowledge and put it in my head so that I could feel like I achieved something. And to Bungie's credit, because Bungie came up with the game, and I play Destiny, their newest IP, which I think has you know an equivalent quality of lore. They knew how to make, you know, Iris, you mentioned this, they knew how to make really interesting sci-fi background lore, even if it is, you know,
2: hunt, you know, thousands of years in the past. It's, like, it's I'm thinking in comparison to something like Assassin's Creed, which also has the, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, space and technology things happen, and it's all just so boring. It's yeah, all so it really empty is. and meaningless. And it translates into the games,
4: too. I mean, especially with the newer ones. Uh, I played through Origins a little bit, and it's just... It's, it's like open world, but you're not doing it. You're not feeling like you're gaining anything from learning about secrets or finding things or whatever. Whereas with Halo, you know, I read the books as well. I got, I you know, absorbed whatever I could uh, without having actually played the games until much more recently. So I do really love Halo, and I was excited to talk about this show in particular. I had heard of it. I hadn't watched more than the first couple of episodes when we had first talked about bringing it to the podcast. Uh, and, uh... Well, you know, I basically only watched the two origin episodes, which are the ones that kind of go over the you know the background lore of everything. It didn't. I didn't watch anything that was, I guess, new or original from the Japanese animators that came up with them. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I won't even beat around the bush. Or around the bush, like uh, more than half of them are just
2: bad. Honestly, <laughs> they're not.
4: They're 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 you know anywhere from uninteresting to unintelligible. And I will say. I was, I was losing hope by the time I got to the Dragon Ball one and finished it because I was like, wow, this, this was... I mean, it was entertaining at some points so and that was about it. And I was actually very surprised at the quality jump with the last three episodes, in my opinion. Uh, I think, you know, especially with the package, which is the last one in the order that they kind of had them in, uh, the animation completely changes. It's 3D, and it's really high-quality animation, actually. It blew me away, honestly. And so, you know, I thought the stories, you know, while not necessarily that original, were good uh, compared to the first couple episodes where the stories were bad. And I was happy. I ended the, the show on a happy note, and I was overall pleased with the watch experience, if you excluded the fact that I watched the first couple episodes. So we'll, <laughs> we'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, as has been mentioned on the, by the others so far, uh, Iris and I grew up with uh, Halo Combat Evolved specifically, that was the only one we got. Right. So we got to have Sergeant Avery Johnson in all of his glory and uh... – the you know the library and uh, the, well Johnson the, was in other games. Johnson the, was in other games. Who we got? We got Echo
2: four nineteen. Well, c- the unsung c- hero c- of Halo CE, and you cannot change my mind.
1: Uh, Iris, you're, the level you're thinking of is called the Silent Cartographer, which opens with with uh, Echo Fohammer as uh, as her well, name. Fohammer also
2: is. shows up in the Ma. She also shows up in the Ma. Tragically, Mad Tragically,
1: that's true. But the the uh, the the trial level you're thinking of that we played over and over and over again yes. was the Silent so Cartographer. So many
2: times doing that beach intro. (laughs)
1: But then, uh, much in the same way to Marcus, I kind of skipped over everything else because we we also did not have consoles uh, in in our household. So playing Halo 2, Halo 2, Halo 3, Reach uh, was not really on the table for us. But what was on the table, and what I did specifically, that maybe you guys did this too, but what I did sort of religiously starting with Halo 4... Was as soon as the game was released, I would look up the cutscenes. Like, I would look for the the super cut, like, (laughs) compilation. I was just about to ask. The two and a half hour long YouTube, just smush everything together and just be like, all right, this is my Netflix for the Mm -hmm. evening. I got my popcorn. I am, I'm here. Give give me the story like I I'm, I'm so we, ready we to go. we all did that.
2: We all did that.
1: Yeah, we just we watched the cutscene yeah.
2: movie. I love that. And, and, but
1: show. that was like a, like when when uh, Halo Infinite just came out. I like it, I I had that sort of bookmarked and just like oh shit I gotta set aside. Then I saw it was like what four hours or something of cutscenes just going all the way through and but in, in that in in. That mirrors, I think, what Iris said earlier as far as the video games just being so good at conveying a story that's interesting and not just interesting but relevant to you sort of in the moment but it has layers that you can sort of pull on like a really bad cable that sweater and try to unravel it in that way and just see all of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes with the Covenant and the Flood and the Forerunners and the Precursors and, and then in much of the same way as Marcus, I would fall down the rabbit holes and get really into... Uh, that, what the coal Protocol was and what the origin story behind that was and uh, what the original Human Empire was like and, and all that other stuff. So absolutely love, love, love the Halo just franchise in general, which makes me sad to realize that you guys didn't like many of these as much as I apparently did because I, I did, was not prepared to have to be the one lone defender of the duel but that one was actually one of my favorites and we can get into that sort of later on but defend uh, it
4: with your heart andrew yeah we'll hit you hard on it
1: (laughs) i mean look the short version
2: of my take on the duel is that it's a great concept and i literally couldn't tell what was happening at any point because it looked like it was the graphics from a 2001 like it looked like like warcraft 1 cutscene graphics
1: that was an active choice made on the part of the animating studio which we'll get into but uh right which was a
2: wrong choice
1: (laughs) There was a stylistic difference, which we'll get into. But then I, when I, that <laughs> interestingly enough, I actually did not like the package all that much. Uh, as far as um I didn't like the package either. It, it, and, and like it, as an ending, what I was hoping for when it came to it, it crescendoed nicely as a finale. But I, something about the three D animation didn't really sit right with me, which we, we can get into later. But I, I can tell already, I'm going to be at odds with, uh, with the the critical mass of, of the group uh, on a lot of this stuff.
0: Yeah, well, uh, let's. That's what we're dot. here for. We love yeah, that.
4: That is that is what we're here for. <laughs> That's what our audience is here for. to hey, like oh. us argue with each other. Yeah.
0: yeah, not that you listen to us because you like to listen to us get along, right? You like to hear us argue. Oh God, is that what we're here for? Um, but let's let's dive right into our favorite and least favorite episodes of because uh, I I'm getting the sense that we might have some different answers here, um, and I'll start off with mine. Uh, For me, my favorite episode um, has to be the babysitter, the sniper episode, Um, just because of the way I I was talking to Iris while we were watching this. But um, one thing I really liked with some of the other Halo uh, media, the non-game medias, I haven't read any of the books, but I did watch um, the short series Forward Unto Dawn, the live action series. Mm-hmm. And in that series, uh, they treated like Spartans as quintessential super soldiers. Like if you were in the presence of a Spartan, things uh, like the the military uh, code was like upgraded. The danger level of the muse- uh, the mission was upgraded, uh, and we got to see that in the Babysitter. Uh, and I really like how they portrayed. The, the Spartan, I, I can't remember her name, uh, as this kind of super soldier that uh, was silent, that could like do things the other ODST members, the Drop Squad soldiers, uh, couldn't, and uh, the kind of like ruthlessness uh, and the silent uh, way that she kind of moves throughout the entire show. I really like that portrayal, and uh, I think it gave the, na- the Spartan name kind of justice.
2: Yeah. The whole thing of like, simply by interacting with a Spartan, your mission has become to support the Spartan, was done very well in that one.
0: Yeah. And um, for my least favorite episode, I think uh, as much as I do love Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, I think (laughs) it does have to be um, Odd One Out, just because of the way it's arguably anime and... Halo can find this, like, balance between the two. Uh, I don't know about this one because the lightheartedness uh, and the kind of, uh, even the art style of the way that uh, Akira Toriyama kind of draws his Dragon Ball characters doesn't really fit too much into the Halo canon uh, and the way that I see Halo as, like, this kind of serious entity in the storytelling media. And, uh, the, the fact that they literally had a Super Saiyan battle at the end of, uh, that, that episode, uh, kind of pushed me over the edge a little bit. I, don't get me wrong, I do love me a good Super Saiyan battle. I don't know if I like it in the Halo universe. Uh, much like our Star Wars Visions episode, I think I'm the one who likes, um, things to be consistent, and things to be quote-unquote canon in uh, if in an already established franchise. Uh, and this one was kind of pushing it a little bit too much for me, especially on my uh, rewatch a couple days ago. Uh, but what about the rest of y'all? What are your favorite episodes and uh, least favorite episodes, and why? I'm going to start with my least favorite, because it is also
3: Odd One Out. And I was thinking about this earlier. I was trying to think, like, why do I not like this one so much? Cause I also really didn't like the duel mainly just because for aesthetic reasons. And like, I know I understand that it was an aesthetic choice and it, but that's the problem. It didn't feel like one. If it, if it feels like, an, like there's a difference between as like a choice and like, un, like there's a difference between unintelligibility and the choice <laughs> to make it hard to parse. Like that's, there's two different things. They tried to the, to do the other one. They got the other one.
1: IMO. I think it's important to mention with uh, the odd one out is that it specifically is not canon and ha- and is meant to be. I, I was a, right, yeah. a a parody of, of things. It's not part of like lore that is something that's in the Wikipedia article, but right.
2: <laughs> yeah, like odd one out is has the distinction of being the only piece of Halo media ever created that is not canon, and like that's across like. Like I think literally hundreds of books at this point, like so many shorts, so many bits of like there is so much Halo content. Odd one out is the only thing that is not canon.
3: Yeah, and so and so getting back to it, I was again trying to think, why did I not like it so much? Because I was thinking back on Star Wars Visions, because there are there are two studio trigger episodes in Star Wars Visions, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I liked those ones. Like, I liked the one where the two Imperial Sith Lords were, like, dueling over each other and, like, doing crazy stuff. Like, kill-a-kill level stuff. And I was like, those are cool. And I think that the reason that I liked that one so much, and that I didn't like Odd One Out so much, is for the same reason. That being, they didn't know how much to take itself seriously circling back the star wars visions one you know it has these bombastic moments but to a certain extent they're taking themselves seriously you can tell that they think that what they are doing is serious right and it's just what we see is as over the top this one odd one out There is no moment in which any part of it is serious. They are all making fun of themselves all the time. Not only that, but they're, in extension, making fun of the source material. And I think that's why I didn't like it. It's because it felt like it was almost like it was disrespectful, which is something that you rarely ever see in stuff like this. Like, this was the only one where I felt like... Like, it almost... Like, I don't think that the people who made this, Akira Toriyama, I guess, understands what Halo is even about. And so, that, yeah. Like, I don't understand how those two people also have superpowers. Are they Spartans? They were born inside a ship, and they were taken care of by an AI. Are they Spartans? I I don't know. They have, like, flying superpowers. And then the Spartan... The leak guy one three three seven God I hate that name. <laughs> like yeah, oh God it's like the uh, I I can't even go on honestly but I I hope you see what you see what I mean um briefly I just wanted to mention my favorite one I did like the babysitter but honestly the the origins episodes I really liked just because I knew like a bit about the you know underlying lore but I had never actually seen it like put to screen and I'm like that's cool I I like that part.
2: My one, my one problem with origins is that there were a lot of inaccuracies, like a lot of, and I know this makes me sound like the biggest turbo nerd ever. <laughs> um, actually, but, but we like already there know were, you're a turbo nerd. It's fine. Th- like <laughs> there were a lot of like just little details that are like, oh wait, no, that's like just straight up incorrect. Like that's what? That's just like, the, I a lot of the way they talked about the forerunners for one. Uh, particularly with the inheritance and uh, of the mantle of responsibility and the a lot of the chronology around the Forerunner Flood War was kind of, things were inverted. I looked this up, actually. And we're going like, to
1: have to re- reconvene on this.
2: We're going to have to reconvene on this and we can talk about it. But I did look this up and like in the... Uh, In, like, the Halo wiki, like, it does talk about how there's a number of small inaccuracies, and these are explained away by, you know, like, the fan reading of it is that this is the beginning of Cortana going rampant, or this is Cortana, like, speculating about things that she doesn't actually know about, right? Like, she doesn't have the benefit of having
1: read the books, you know? Um, She's also a human construct, and how is she to know, like, everything about the Forerunner history? Exactly.
2: Precisely. Precisely. Whatever the reason is. Uh... But anyway, that's that's a little bit beside the point. My favorite one also is gonna be uh, the the babysitter. Um, I I liked the subversion of expectations. I liked the, as you say Alex, the um, depiction of the Spartan as sort of this like you know, just implacable you know killing machine, you know, not unstoppable, but just like completely like terrifyingly competent. You know, I think we sort of, like, you know, you play the games, you play as Master Chief for so long, you sort of lose sight of, this guy is, like, a literal, you know, like, demon in a metal suit, right? Like, absurdly, insanely frightening. Um, And it was really cool to sort of see a Spartan, like, in their element without a whole lot of, like, we've got to, you know go real big on this, as they did with um, the the final one, the 3D animated one, whose name is... Uh, the, package. The, package. the Package. The Package, yeah. Because um, they really went, you know, balls to the wall on that one. My least favorite one is also Odd One Out, but like it, we've already said everything that we can say about that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about another one that didn't quite land with me. Uh, the duel, I think, conceptually... This is another one I'm saying. Like The duel, I think, conceptually actually works really well. It's just the animation really cripples its ability to tell its its story. The one I didn't like was the prototype. And yeah. the prototype, to me, really just did not land. Not for I you, think, neither for me as well. I, I Okay, think, really? <laughs> I I it is so hard for me to root for such a bundle of tropes. You know, and it's like I—I I had a bad experience, and now I have no emotion. I refuse to show emotion ever, except for when I didn't, and everyone died. So I, now I show even less emotion, and I am going to go down valiantly. You have ordered me to escape. I am following your orders by not following your
3: orders, and I'm not going to leave these men behind. When she died, so did I. So now I'm yeah. ghost. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and the the whole the whole like um. The, the, the death scene where he's holding her and she's like, just do something for me. Allow yourself to be human. Feel an emotion. Go outside and touch grass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it it felt so overblown. The action sequences were fun and satisfying. Uh, I think the, the the way that they sort of got us invested in this person, because the thing is, if you show us A man making a desperate last stand, you know, a heroic, valiant, you know, hold, a a defense, one person against an army, right? Like, how much we care about that is predicated a lot on how much we care about the person making the last stand. And I don't think they did a really good job of making me, at least, care about this, about Ghost, Uh, just because of how, how, how overblown sort of his backstory is his you know his his personal kind of mojo his flashbacks are um not Uh, my least favorite but definitely didn't land i think in a lot of ways
1: i i don't know if i'm exasperated or uh, like to quote my personal like totem animated character totem i think i'm gonna have a heart attack and die from not surprised about the fact that we disagree on this stuff, Iris. <laughs>
2: Ten thousand points if anyone gets that right. <laughs> you're you're
1: it, I, you're you're missing the point. Is is the short version of what I'm going to get into as far as uh, both I think the duel and uh, the prototype, which I was going to say were two of my favorites. um Damn. when it came to the, this entire selection. I'll shout out um, The Babysitter as well because I loved it for all the same reasons that uh, you all did. And, and up to and including the studio, Four Degrees Celsius, which also animated one of my favorite Justice League movies, Flashpoint Paradox. Um, oh, did they? That's uh, a good one. Same same studio. But um, the, the Duel I loved because um, the, as it, conceptually it, it's a great sort of like – Oh, yeah. story to explore when it comes to like the arbiter and what like why is the arbiter this sort of like suicidal you know pseudo godlike religious figure when it comes to the society that um, sort of holds it up as this uh, sort of um, uh, a paragon of supremacy when it comes to uh, decisions and uh, just a, a lot of uh, fighting superiority. And what I really liked about it uh, from the story perspective too was looking at the Covenant as this kind of feudal Japan kind of a thing and looking at um, the elites as a bit more of a samurai society when it came to this sort of ceremonial armor type of stuff and looking at what kind of goes into the buildup there, up to and including the different very or different interpretations of the word duel when it came to that stuff. So, because obviously, you know, the two elites at the end to have their uh, spoiler alert uh, sort of you know, double death kind of scenario of that actual like 1v1 duel was was one thing. But the other way to look at it that I sort of really liked was how the uh, the Arbiter's wife's death uh, led to him basically dueling the entire covenant. It was, you know, this one man's duel against this entire um, hierarchy, structure, all this, you know, one man rampage kind of a stuff, which I really enjoyed watching, especially with what apparently is, is a style of animation that only I, I enjoyed out of, all, out of all of you. Um.
0: Oh, uh, I mean, I was just going to put in a mention in and throw in a mention of Star Wars Visions episode, called, also called The Duel, because I think I, think I do agree with you, Andrew. Uh, the stylistic choices are the most clear on this one. And while I personally uh, thought they could have uh, done it a little bit better, um, I I do think that it has the most homages to traditional Japanese samurai films, just like the duel in Star Wars Visions did. In that case, then uh, Star Wars Visions, they put a little after effects on the uh, the screen. It was three D animation, but they had a lot of um, uh, Kurosawa's uh, like stylistic choices, especially in the one v one samurai battles, because most of it is just. Uh, the two elites kind of facing each other off. There's no clashing of swords. They're just kind of like taking one step forward, one step back. And that is very uh, very traditional Japanese samurai films. And I did like that choice.
2: I, I do want to put in a brief good word also for the duel. You know my my problems with the the you know vehicle of storytelling aside, I do think it's the most interesting topic of all of them. Right, I think the the idea of exploring how the arbiter came to be what it is, you know, by the time of the games, right? Because it's such a fascinating bit of lore. This this ceremonial position of a, of the highest honor, but also the greatest shame, you know, and and sort of examining how that came to be, examining what the arbiter was in saying in elite society before the covenant sort of really subsumed it. Um, this very critical moment in the founding of the covenant, I think, is just a fascinating place in the halo universe to take this zoom in on uh so i i I really do think that it was it's a it's a great topic to cover and it was it's, it's i have no like major issues with the writing of it you know the actual like what the story is, the contents of the story, the dialogue, so on and so forth. For me, the big thing was just the animation because it was so hard to actually engage with the story because I was always being distracted by what the fuck is going on on the screen.
1: Well, it's it's this style of like, it, it made it look like it was all happening as like a series of watercolor paintings, which I loved. I love the, I, in you know, in real life, uh, I love the sort of like impressionism of just like conveying more information like a graphical information of, of like paintings like you know van gogh's starry night as an example you can't actually like see that there are buildings and stars there it's just a lot of sort of like impressions of stuff that are going on and you know i could see the eyes and track like oh that's sort of the general shape of an elite you know going up and fucking out all these you know vehicles and other elites and uh grunts and whatnot um I, and and I, I did I actually really enjoyed the fact that it wasn't exact, that it wasn't, you know, sort of like very clearly defined as, as far as like a, a, a body goes. And having that like definitely enhanced what Alex was just talking about as far as being a classical uh, representation or classical, um, uh, you know, thing, a classical manifestation of, of traditional uh, Japanese samurai films. The and if you want to call it impressionism, I think
2: that's a that's a great term to use when describing this this uh, you know episodes art style. The impressionism in and of itself, I don't think, is a bad choice. For me, the problem was the impressionism combined with the extremely muted and very nearly monochrome color scheme. It was a lot of dark colors. It was a lot of browns and grays, and a lot of things were really indistinct. Was the problem like? A watercolor, as you say, right? Um, a lot of watercolors, even if you know what uh, the the you know the edges and the well defined borders of individual objects isn't well defined, you can still tell where individual things are because colors are bright. Colors pop, right? They're watercolors, right? Uh, Not but, water monochrome, right? <laughs> but the point is, like, it was so hard for me to tell, you know, like different things from each other, you know, especially in the scene where they were, you know threatening and then ended up killing the Arbiter's wife right because it's a dark room and dark colored figures and just a lot of darkness everywhere and it's just like I can see movement happening on the screen but I can't tell who we're looking at and I can't tell what their facial expressions are and I can't tell you know like where one person ends and another person begins I think if they, I I think like this was close to being cool, and I wish I could see the the sort of artistic side to it, the the you know the watercolor interpretation that you got, because that sounds really awesome. And if it had landed that way for me, I think I would have liked the duel a lot more. But for me, it was it was just like you know it tilted a little bit too far to the side of like indistinct, and I don't know what's happening here.
3: I would also like to add because. I do think that the idea of it being watercolour is super cool. And as Iris said, I don't think it looks watercolour. It looks like they took a very very bad 3D model job, rigged it a little bit, didn't even like lurp between poses, and then added a sepia filter and then smudged it a bit. That's what it looked like to me, and I get that they were trying to do watercolour without having to hand draw every frame. But it didn't work. The reason that the duel in Star Wars Visions worked is because, yes, it's still 3D, but they were able to actually have used their medium to make something that was cool, visually, and still intelligible.
4: Well, okay. Uh, You guys pretty much took everything I was going to say about the duel in the last, like, 15 minutes, so thank you. Um, In a way, it's my least favorite episode for you know, the reasons that Michael and Iris gave, and it's also an episode that I can really appreciate for the reasons that Andrew gave, I do think that having watched the duel in Star Wars Visions kind of spoiled me, honestly. That was a similarly very tasteful way to implement, like, Japanese, and especially feudal samurai culture into Star Wars, and it was done very, very well. And having watched this... I can't help but feel it was just inferior in a lot of different ways. And, you know, the animation notwithstanding. So, that's what I'll say about the duel. My favorite episode is the prototype. And you guys are all going to fucking laugh at me. Fucking <laughs> <but laughs>
3: edgelord, Marcus. Oh, and it really my.
4: does speak to my edgelord tendencies, Yes, you know? lean into it. And But beyond that, what I think the prototype does the best out of any, any of these episodes is that it, it unifies... What is quintessential to anime, which is the tropiness and the, the battles and you know the fight scenes, and what Halo is, which is the respect to super soldiers and the strength of a single soldier putting their life down to
1: defend other people. You know what? I love that take. Yes. I love that take. Well,
3: he's
4: not a Ghost Spartan
1: though. Is, he's a prototype Spartan. He's yeah, he's No no no, implied... no, no, no. the
3: prototype is the machine.
1: No, but I, I, I know. That, that's what I, I, I know. thats what Spartans become, Michael, the, the evolution of The implication,
4: of yeah, obviously this is not necessarily, I mean, it is canon, but it's not canon in the way that we know it. Obviously Spartan 2s were developed by Catherine Halsey in the, in the lore, and that's how they kind of come to be super soldiers. They're bred for it, and they're stolen as children for it. This is not that. This is just some dude who decides to hop into some, you know, exosuit and become you know, a super soldier, but it it's the ideological like representation of what a super soldier is that's that's unique to that. Like, this guy, who is, by the way, not a role model, everything that you guys said about like him as a character is true. He is a trope machine. He also, you know, does the thing where he's like, I I lost a part of myself when I lost my fire team, you know? Like <laughs> that all that all kinds of stuff is at the same time edgy and cringy, but also very anime. And I couldn't help but respect it for it. You know, that's that was the only episode I felt like that actually felt like it was pulling something from anime and putting it in Halo, whereas the other ones kind of adapted anime-style animation and anime-style kind of plot lines, but didn't really bring the energy, I guess. Um, but I think that, you know, as, as, you know, cliche as it was, the final battle scene is an excellent representation of what Spartans do. They lay their lives down for the greater good of humanity, and they do it... Knowing that they are not necessarily human, and they have to remind themselves that they are human, you know, like, and and they have to convince themselves even that they are human because they're bred to be war machines. They don't consider themselves human while they are protecting humanity, which is ironic because they are they started as humans anyway. Fuck, that's a I good really point.
3: Like Fuck, I
2: really yeah, like that aspect. No, no, Mike is coming in here making us all reconsider our uh, I, initial I, I, takes. I
1: have to like, I can't uh, give enough thumbs up to to marcus's takes on these especially because of how like it, like you marcus is coming out from the anime side of things and i loved the prototype for all of this the halo sort of like manif- manifesting all of this lore that i love so much about the early part of the war when it comes to humans are not winning that's like it's very clear just across all of the media books video games humans do not win but they can hold out long enough for like most people to get away so that they can regroup and try again that like the the prototype covers that perfectly, and what it also covers perfectly when it comes to super soldiers is that that is actually how Spartans evolve. The people like Master Chief and like you know the the you know Catherine Halsey's greatest works. Those are just Spartan twos. The Spartans that you get to in like Halo Five, like Halo Guardians, and like and in other parts of that, like Spartan threes and fours. Those are not children who are kidnapped and, you know, bred into soldiers like forever and ever. Those are people like full ass grown adults who are already enlisted, who uh, volunteer to become part of the Spartan program and take on these, you know, really advanced suits of armor The you know, further later editions of Mjolnir, which is a bit of a point of contention in in Halo 5 when it comes to, you, you know, Jameson Locke, for example, versus Master Chief. Like Locke was, I think, a bounty hunter at first, but then volunteered to become a Spartan and then Master Chief is, you know, a kid who grew up to become, a, like, just was trained to become a Spartan. And there's a big question of, like, well, one's more technologically advanced and wants to be in this position versus this one less technologically advanced. Don't know if they want to be in that position, but they don't know anything else. So, of course, they, they just do it that way. And having a look at, at the prototype with Ghost, you know, taking on this role because he has to in order to, like, save as, as many people as he can was just, ugh. So good, absolutely loved. Like you know, the the climax of building up into into that, and as far as like the, having to make this ultimate heroic sacrifice.
2: Yeah, um, and just a couple more points about like like Spartans and who is a Spartan, who isn't a Spartan. I think I think this episode actually does raise an interesting question. Like I, as we were watching, I was asking Alex, like, is this is this guy a Spartan? Like, oh, is he? He's he's got the prototype. It's got like the Mjolnir helmet, like. You know, he's not, like, genetically enhanced. He wasn't a Spartan previously. This is, you know, definitely pre-Spartan 3s. But, like, I mean, the thing is, the episode treated him like a Spartan. That's the big key distinction, right? It was, he was the super soldier. He was, like, the single man standing against the, you know, the tide of the enemy, whatever. And I want to, like, you know, be careful that we're aware not to, like, veer into, like, real-life military fetishism here. But, having said that, like, absolutely, I think this episode treated ghost like a spartan you know he was put in the same position he was the same uh like the the same position the same sort of uh like fuck it i'm just gonna do it myself because i'm the only one who can uh kind of mentality and yeah you're causing me to rethink my opinions on this episode i guess is the big one there's also sort of this implication that you know the um like as you say andrew this is how you know spartans like happen in the first place, right? I mean, I think also another another good example is the entirety, pretty much the entirety of Squad Alpha Nine from Halo Three ODST, eventually becomes Spartans uh, a couple of generations down the line. Uh, but you know, absolutely, like if Ghost had walked away from that, you know, in a different you know uh, way, like way of telling the story, if that had ever made it into like what the games. if Ghost survived? <laughs> what if Ghost survived? Yeah, he
1: absolutely would have been made a Spartan. I think fun lore tidbit uh that uh battle that that ghost participated in the battle of Algolis i believe is actually the uh original sort of starting establishment point for the banished that's where atriox sort of uh becomes officially disillusioned from the covenant and begins his own little splinter faction that then becomes the main antagonists in Halo 6
4: that is a deep cut that is uh, a I very d- deep cut yeah i did want to add one more thing which is i think one episode that we haven't discussed yet in this long and drawn wait, out wait, discussion. Wait, wait, I want to talk episode. about it. Okay, okay, cool. do it, do it, do cool. it, do
3: it. Okay, let me start with this, Marcus. I fucking hate you because. But <laughs> no, you don't. You, you made you such good points, Marcus. This doesn't normally happen. You're not the one with the good points usually. Whoa! That's, um, oh, I mean, that, wow. that, that's, that's honestly—I—I wow. I,
4: I throw out some really dumb ass fucking takes. It's—it's fine. JK, JK. I don't know.
2: I feel like Marcus comes in with good points a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got like, them, like, Michael, you and I, you and I like to talk a lot, yeah. but Marcus makes
3: <laughs> his talking count. <laughs> All right, this is what I want to say. I like that. I, I, I'm, I, 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 I see it. I see it. I think Homecoming did it better.
4: (laughs) Oh, that's what I was going to talk about because I think Homecoming did it worse.
3: Really? So, here's the thing. I think of the two, Homecoming and the prototype explore similar themes. They talk about what it means to be a Spartan, what it takes to become a Spartan, what you lose in the process, and the weight of being a Spartan in the line of duty right they both sacrifice themselves they both have you know life-changing events that made them turn into who they are right one hand homecoming literally halsey and obviously ghost is the whole ghost stuff right homecoming made a likable character ghost i did not like i think for me that's just the simplest distinction That's why I liked Homecoming so much more was because I actually was rooting for her, right? I was like, no, 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 no. She's going to get up, right? She's going to get up. She's going to get the freaking teddy bear. She's going to freaking get up. And like, it it didn't happen. And I was like, God damn it. With Ghost, I was like, thank you for dying. You're so freaking annoying. Like, (laughs) I, they, they, again, they both do a similar thing. I just think that Homecoming did it better. That's why I can't see the prototype as being any more than what you're saying. It's still less than the home than homecoming for me.
2: I mean, so, so this might be kind of a facile observation, but I sort of feel like, first of all, I agree with you. Uh, I, I, I did not like Ghost as uh, like a person, but you know, I sort of in retrospect, I feel like I'm being convinced that this story is regardless of how much I like him, this got more compelling components to it than I was willing to admit at first. I feel like you can't just directly compare Homecoming and the prototype that directly, that simply. I don't feel like they're doing the exact same thing. In some ways, they are sort of mirror images of each other, right? Because the prototype is this human trying to be the Spartan, right? Or becoming the Spartan. You know, the human moving like upwards and, and embodying the Spartan. Whereas homecoming is the Spartan trying to once again be human, trying to reclaim what was taken from her, trying to go back to this, this, uh, you know, this life, this existence that was stolen from her, right? And it's, it's like, they're both these examinations of where that distinction lies. Where does the, where does the, you know, the person end and the soldier begin? But I don't think it's just quite as simple as homecoming does the same thing, but better. You know, I think uh, there's there's a lot of kind of philosophical unthreading you can do in in deep examination of either one of them. Which you know, we're it's not in the scope of our podcast, so we're not going to get like really into the weeds of like you know the distinction between the person and the soldier. But it's like I I, I feel like they are substantially different enough that to me, homecoming being like. I think uh, enjoyable in its own way, although a little bit disjointed for me at times, but like still like a a great story. And like with a a lot of like emotional payoffs, I don't feel like that detracts from the prototype. I think the, the smaller now issues that I have with the prototype are of its own merit.
4: Yeah. You, you kind of took what I was going to say. Uh, The way I was going to say it was that the prototype or Uh, Homecoming kind of looks at what, what humanity, what, what humanity is lost in order to gain being a Spartan or to be a Spartan. And it's more of a tragedy in that respect. It's, you know, the, the child, she loses her childhood, she loses her family, she loses her home in order to become a hero and she does it to save humanity. And the prototype kind of looks at it a different way. It looks at what is gained by losing humanity and, and like the heroism of being a Spartan in that regard. So in a way that kind of mirrors what Iris said, which is like, it's, it's, it's a mirror image. You're looking at it through two different lenses, essentially. And I will say that, you know, Daisy 023 is more, definitely more likable than Ghost. And that's because it's, in, it's intended to be that way. She's intended to be a human first. Like, you're looking at her as a human first and the Spartan second. And you look at the story of how she lost her humanity and how she looks at a, a literal mirror image of her childhood self, sick and dying. And the, you know, the true monster of the story, which is Catherine Halsey, who did this in order to spare the family, you know, grief or something by having the child die six months after the abduction. Like, that's fucked up. And that's talked about in many ways, many deep ways in Halo lore about how fucked up it is. But in the prototype, it's different because you're looking at this one person who comes and be- becomes a hero, and you look at that and you're like, well, what did he lose for that? He literally chose to give up his humanity in order to be that hero. That's what the, that's the comparison I was alluding to about how he's a Spartan, even though he's not a real Spartan. You know, he's not a human anymore. And that's what allows him to do this thing, sacrifice himself, lays down life down on the line and get in the super suit so that he can defend, you know, actual humans. That's what the, you know, the crux of what I thought those two were. I do think and what my comment about how the homecoming kind of did it worse is that I think the emotional notes felt a little flatter for me on homecoming than it did on prototype. Obviously, I'm very biased. I love the Edgelordy shit. You know, (laughs) it's all up my alley. And again, I think it speaks more to the anime tropiness. You know, we've watched a couple of sad animes on this podcast, and I'm familiar with what they kind of do in order to make you feel sad in animes. I don't think Homecoming did it very well in that regard. I don't think it hit me the same way. That's the way I looked at it.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, one thing I really do like about Legends is the fact that it provides these stories for lesser known parts of the Halo lore. Uh, I mean, we've gone over uh, why we like the Duel because it establishes why the Arbiter exists. Um, uh, the personal level of being kidnapped for the Spartan 2 program uh, with uh, uh, Daisy, uh, I can't remember her call sign. Um, oh, Daisy023. Yeah. And I mean, even the prototype has the quintessential line um, that Ghost is missing in action, not killed. Yes, Spart-
2: that was that was another uh, thing of it. And I actually remember pointing that out. Right. Mm-hmm. The other, another way he is treated as a Spartan, he's
0: not killed. He's missing in action. Yeah, because Spartans never die. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like the way that these uh, stories explore the little lesser known war- uh, ways of. Uh, lesser known parts of the Halo world. I I suppose my question to you all, before we move on to our trivia corner, um, is do you think that this is a show for Halo fans or a show for non-Halo fans coming into the franchise and trying to get a a foothold in? Yeah, what do you all think?
3: I think that the thing that you just said, the fact that Spartans don't die, they just go MIA, I did not know that. And I think that someone who knew that, it would have made a better impact on them. (laughs) I did not know that. That is cool that they did that. I think, at least except for freaking the package. Um, no, the okay, the package is for a very specific kind of Halo fan. Um, the the tea bagging (laughs) kind. I think the package was for people who wanted to be like, oh, yeah, that's what it's like when I play Halo.
0: Yes, that's also me. Like,
3: literally, when their (laughs) freaking reticles came up, I'm like, it doesn't make fucking sense that they would have covenant grenades on the damn reticles. They just put it there because the game has it. Um, But it's cool because it's the game and it's
2: on a TV (laughs) show now. Okay, the the only thing I have to say about the package is, like, how telling is it that in 55 minutes of talking about Halo Legends, we have yet to have, like, a single, (laughs) like, full sentence yeah. talking about the package yeah. they, they just made an, FM,
3: they made an fmv of the freaking game like yeah it's it's not original um so anyway that. so i do really think that this is for i, I don't want to use the word entrenched but like halo fans that are in there um i i, I just want to mention a moment that happened uh 40 minutes ago now <laughs> this podcast has been very long uh andrew mentioned like uh oh yeah i used to do this thing where uh Like once a new Halo dropped, I would watch the whole the whole cutscene thing all at once. Uh, I didn't do that. (laughs) Uh, I played the game because the game was fun. Okay, Um, I mean, like the the story was like fine. I guess Arbiter's kind of cool. I like the scarab. You want
4: to take this outside? The scarab is cool. The scarab
3: missions are always the best. Halo Four. It was it was fine but the, the mission in which you're flying down the thing, that was hilarious. My brother and I died in the same place 11 times in a row. Very funny. <laughs> it's very much a game to me, and I don't know a lot of the story of it. That's why Origins impressed me, because I didn't know the actual lore, so I wasn't annoyed <laughs> by the inaccuracies, because to me, it's all canon now. I I watched Forward Unto Dawn. Uh, fun fact, that is the show that taught me what the word hubris means. If if you remember that scene from the show Um, I don't uh, So Yeah I think that part of the reason that the show Perhaps didn't work on me to the level of Say Marcus or Andrew or maybe now Iris is realizing um, Well I liked a lot of
2: it a lot immediately
3: Like is because I think I was viewing this As an outsider Because I was like You know I look at the duel and I'm like Sure arbiter is the arbiter yeah it's i guess it's interesting that it it used to be like a cool position and now it's like a disgraceful thing that that seems cool oh yeah the the package he's a i guess he's he's not actually a spartan sorry package uh the freaking prototype prototype Prototype. um maybe it's just because i don't find the halo lore interesting sorry to drop that um (laughs) Fifty-seven minutes in, folks. This is where we are. Hey, listen. I have been instructed to have hotter takes, so um, <laughs> that's a pretty hot one. Here is the hottest take I think I can put right now. I actually don't find the Halo lore that interesting, bro. Bro, so,
0: you can't say that. So
3: hey, listen, listen. listen this is my phone opinion. Phone. I completely respect. Like, I am the odd one. I am the odd one out. Okay. Oh. I don't deserve to be canon in this podcast, <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. I respect that. I don't like the Halo lore, and I do think that that has affected my enjoyment, possible enjoyment of this series. To that extent, I do think for people who do like the Halo lore, either really deep in it or know a lot of the core fundamental themes of the lore, I think this show is for them.
2: I have to agree with you here, um... You know, as someone on the other side of that exchange, like Alex will you know, Alex can corroborate, like the entire time we were watching Origins, I was sitting there being like, I really hope that one of these short films talks about the precursors, because the way they're discussing the Forerunners is revisionist history. Like that's that's the kind that's the level I was at, right? Uh I there are so many moments of this that felt like they hit harder to me or made more sense to me because I, you know, know a lot of the lore, you know, it's things like, you know, he's missing in action, as all Spartans are. It's things like, you know, uh, having a bit of the context of the history of the Forerunners as that, you know, more than just, oh, they lived a long time ago and left a lot of, like, cool weaponry stuff. I mean, hell, the reason that I find the premise of the, the duel so compelling is because... You know the 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 concept of the arbiter and sort of the formation of the covenant, things like that, are 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 like stuff that's sort of alluded to in the games, but like that you really, if you want to know more about them, need to search them out and like be reading about them on your own time. Uh, There's so many things like that in this series that felt like they just made more sense. They made they were more compelling because I sort of knew what was going on. Uh, so absolutely, I think this is for Halo fans. I think this is for people who already have expressed an interest in the lore, have already, you know, consumed some of the other stuff, uh, some of the other media. And the thing is, there's so much Halo media out there. I mean, like, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the Brian David Gilbert video oh, yeah. where he, like, reads, where he re- he re- he, ha- he took a year and read every single novelization uh, uh, in the Halo universe and, like, did, like, a an hour-long video about them. My point is there's so much stuff out there if uh, you are someone who is not super familiar with the franchise and wants to like get into the story of it. And I don't think this is that.
1: I'm going to play devil's avocado here and actually disagree with both of you because um, of the way that we all talked about first getting into the Halo universe. When, whether it's um, video games or the novelizations or just falling down a Wikipedia rabbit hole, those are all, like, you know, gargantuan, like, country-sized, like, bites out of this, you know, just mountain, these, this range of, like... Um, uh, of, of just content that you, you can go for. We just all vacuumed it up regardless of like what it was, whether it was just, Oh, Hey, this scarab mission is cool. I'm going to play it a billion times just because it's like, it's, it's cool. Or this, you know, this stuff is really interesting. We all took on so much of this content so quickly that, you know, we're able to have, you know, conversations or, you know, go deeper on, on, on the levels for this stuff. And one thing that this particular sort of content delivery method is you know, better at doing is providing bite-sized, you know, much more, you know, manageable bite-sized sort of chunks of just like, oh, this is, you know, something kind of interesting. Let's break off a, you know, 10 to 20 minute uh, long, you know, piece of this and present it as something entirely self-contained. We can get a story about Daisy 023. We can get a story about Ghost and get the whole thing within about 15 minutes. And that's, you know, makes it much more accessible to just a layperson who Maybe doesn't want to spend twenty hours, like you know, w- working their way through the first Halo, or uh, you know, hundreds of hours working their way through all the Halo video games, or read an entire book, or uh, I, you know, spend a billion hours on the Halo wiki, be, you know, looking at fan theories because that's you know something else that we've all done in the past. <laughs> you don't have to do that in order to enjoy the Halo, you know. Culture, so to speak, by you know being able to to uh, get something you know a little bit more manageable in an evening. You can watch this for a couple of hours and be like, "Hey, this is cool. I'd like to learn more about this now that I've had you know more manageable bits about this." Which is why I would actually argue that this is a bit more for pe- people who are fans of the lore. You know, I'll change your question a little bit uh, there, Alex, to, to account for people like Michael who might not like the lore as much. <laughs> um, it, it it can be for non fans of the Halo video games, but for people who might actually really like the lore and the stories behind the video games.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm on that side, and I think it's I think it's interesting that in whatever fucking I guess DVD version or whatever that they released it, that the origin episodes go first because it's a it's an establishment. If you're not interested in the history of you know this video game, you can stop watching because yep. you're not going to enjoy yep. it. Yep, and like. I'm going to compare this again to Star Wars Visions because I think Star Wars Visions actually did a really excellent job of being kind of approachable to both anime fans and Star Wars fans, casual and kind of, you know, fanatical, I guess we'll put it. Um, like, Visions started you off with the duel, which is a, an aesthetically striking, you know, very simple to understand, but easily recognizable, you know, Star Wars mythos slash Japanese culture, you know, episode. You know, it's set in feudal Japan, essentially. Um, Not actually, but that's the aesthetic. It has this weird art style, and you have the red lightsaber. The instantaneously recognizable red lightsaber. People who don't know what Star Wars is know who Darth Vader is, and people who know Darth Vader is know what a red lightsaber is. And in this, it's, it's very much different, because it already goes, you know, it starts with origins, and it tells you about the history from what you wouldn't have gotten from the games. So if you didn't play the games... But you might have, you know, heard that Halo was about, you know, set, you know, 500 years in the future and, you know, massive sci-fi and also had weird biblical references and was also, you know, a a multi-level kind of uh, war on multiple fronts. Then you'd be like, I want to give this a shot. And then Origin comes at you and it tells you this is exactly what happened up to the lead up of the first couple of games. This is the history of war and, you know, as humanity. This is what came before humanity, which is the 400s, and what came before the 400s, which is precursors. Stuff like that is... Stuff that if you watch it and you're into it, then you're like, I want to watch more of this stuff. I want to see more examples of individual small bite sized pieces, as Andrews put it, of Halo lore that you can kind of watch and, you know, absorb and be like, that was an enjoyable watching experience. And I guess if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, you come into it and you're like, they had an episode of a, you know, <laughs> that had Dragon Ball Z related references in it. I want to watch that one. Then you realize it, it actually sucks. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that in a, in a way, it's, it's kind of both, honestly, like, if you don't have an already kind of a, a, a pull to the Halo lore, then you might not like it. But at the same time, it's it's organized and given to you in such a way that
0: it will grab you if you have that slightest bit of pull to it. All right. Well, thank you for all your takes. And before we wrap up the show, we do have a very special trivia corner brought by Andrew oh, himself. Let's go! And... um. Andrew you left the teams up to my discretion. I did, um, yes. <laughs> and I think I'm going to divide this down Halo lore knowledge because I am arguably less uh knowledgeable about Halo lore than Marcus and Iris. Uh Michael you just said that you don't really care too much about the story. <laughs> uh so I think yeah is Marcus it, and sorry Iris should can I add on that
3: teams? It, it I, I Marcus Iris you'll hate this. I I, I skip the cutscenes. Oh Oh, you skipped the cutscene. Like,
0: how
2: dare so you? you. Were given
3: the opportunity to watch these, and you were like, no, "Listen, I'm that. in the middle of this warthog race. I need to keep going." <laughs> <laughs> the only consolation I have,
2: the only consolation I have, is that when we played Halo together, you didn't skip oh, the cutscene. Yeah, because I was forced to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: Jesus. Wow, right, We we're, were
0: forced to experience hey, okay, right, no, no, okay. To be culture. fair though, that was Halo Reach forced... Halo
3: Reach has some good cutscenes Okay. Alright, All right,
0: before let's... we get into fist, Before we get into blows, let's continue <laughs> Trivia corner um, this, so... is the, this is the last episode of the podcast, guys You're <laughs> never going to hear from us again So I, I think it's only fair that Marcus and Iris Should be on different teams And Michael and I should be on different teams So the teams are Iris and me and Marcus and Michael Roommate power Perfect <laughs>
1: All right, folks, thanks for letting me take charge of the Trivia Corner. In real life, uh, those of you who know me know I like trivia a little bit too much for my own good. Um, (laughs) And uh, so I can say uh, this, I can confirm this is not about Halo lore, so there's actually not too much of an advantage for the Marcus and Iris uh, going on here. This is a lot of um, things inspired by Halo and things relating to Halo, I think, is the best way to describe it. So... By virtue of me arbitrarily choosing, we're going to start with uh, Marcus and Michael, the M&M yep, uh, team. Um, <laughs> he, would never, th- he would never pick it, me to go first. It's a couple of softballs. All right, fine. Iris, you want to go first? You get <laughs> no, You get to no, go no, first. No, no,
0: no, no. Do, do your thing.
1: Do your no, thing we're so doing it. Deep. Iris, we're, we're going first. couple of softballs, All though. Right. Iris and Alex, we're going to start you off. Um, Alas, poor Yorick, is a Halo 3 achievement where a player must get three melee kills with the skull known as the Oddball, but it's also a reference to which Shakespearean tragedy? Is it A,
0: Uh, Othello,
1: B, (laughs) Macbeth, C, Hamlet, or D, King Lear?
0: Wow, I don't... what do you think, Alex? (laughs) Oh boy, I mean, it's been so long since 10th grade English class, but I'm thinking Hamlet. Ah, yeah, I think it's gotta be Hamlet. Hamlet.
1: Yeah, Hamlet is correct. That'll right, be right. uh, three points for Iris and Alex. <coughs> Marcus and Michael, balls. thank you. Spartans are the are, uh, Spartans are the ultimate work of Doctor Catherine Halsey and humanity's best hope in the war against the Covenant. But their real-life inspiration came from which of the following historical societies? Is it A. Sassanid Persia, B. Ancient Greece, C. The Roman Empire, or D. The Umayyad Caliphate?
3: Have you seen Three Hundred, Marcus? <laughs> I have, actually. Well, it's Grease, then. Right. Yes. Grease. I don't even know what the...
1: (laughs) No, it is not Grease the Musical featuring John Travolta. (laughs) Uh, That's correct. Three points as well. I'm just imagining
2: Olivia Newton-John in, like, a suit of Mjolnir armor now. I appreciate the the softballs. I like this. These (laughs) are, like, the $200 questions on Jeopardy. All
1: right. Iris and Alex. Arguably, the biggest influences for Halo uh, combat evolved came from this sci-fi movie, which features space travel... Hostile extraterrestrial life and a gruff talking sergeant. Is it A. Stargate, B. Aliens, C. Predator, or D. Alien versus Predator?
0: Oh, you motherfucker! <laughs> 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 I, I think it's I think it's Aliens. That sounds about right. Because Aliens has the military uh, with them, and I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, I guess Arnold Schwarzenegger could have been of uh, inspiration for master chief but i don't know about that say them again real quick say the options again
1: a stargate b aliens c predator or d
0: alien versus predator oh it has to be aliens because of the the Sangheili, the way their jaws work yeah and their shape, the way they're shaped i'm gonna say i'm gonna say alien yeah you... uh, let's let's yeah, wait,
2: hold on, are you saying alien or aliens? Aliens, plural. Oh, it, I mean, I. it has to be aliens. I guess, yeah, I guess it has to be aliens. Final answer? Uh, Final answer. This, the expression you're making is making me, you know...
1: That is starting, correct. A- aliens is the yeah. correct answer. Yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> All right. right. Although, uh, Alex, it's interesting you mentioned that the uh, the Sanghili, um are actually taken from Predator. So predator oh, yeah, was yeah. Predator was, the, uh, was the was the red herring there because that was hostile action gruff talking <laughs> sergeant but no space travel. That's because true because that all happened. Yeah, I all was hard.
2: expecting you to say Starship Troopers as one of them. I don't know why my brain
1: jumps Wait,
3: did that come after? No, it
1: didn't. No, that that did, did come way before. All right, no, Marcus me. and Michael. Halo's opening suite, A.K.A. the theme song, <laughs> is one of the most recognizable songs in video games, if not pop culture in general. But what music was it originally based off of? What kind of music? Was it A, a magical concerto, B, a Kowali Marcia, which is a the type of uh, singing that a, a Muslim imam does uh, at that temple, C, a Gregorian chant, or D, a Tibetan throat singing hymn?
3: What was the first one?
1: A Magical Concerto, it's a a piece written for, uh, you know, in the, like, Renaissance Italy for uh, a male singer.
4: I honestly thought it was African-inspired, which
3: did not come up, Hmm. so that's a little bit of a shame. You know, I want to... I really want to say Gregorian chant, because... No, it's not Gregorian chant, because they're singing in unison. That's not a Gregorian chant thing, right?
4: I don't believe it's Gregorian, and I don't believe it's Magical. I was, I'm a little thrown off by Tibetan throat singing because there's not there is no any aspect it. of it. Yeah, that, in, I feel like I was it. Yeah. So whatever the second so one was, that, yeah, that leaves us option B, which is the Muslim uh,
1: prayer hymns. Let's word. go with
2: that.
1: Incorrect, unfortunately. Back to uh,
0: Marks and, or, or Iris and Alex.
2: I kind of. I feel like I was going to say Gregorian. I was like, going to
0: say Gregorian chant too.
2: It's only the one guy. Not, there's not Unison or Disunison there. It's just the one voice.
3: Let, let's go with that. Let's go with that.
1: Guys are correct. It was a Gregorian chant.
3: There, there are more people. Yes. There are more people come in, don't they?
1: It, it, eventually story. it, it, it the, so the the story behind that was that the the guy was originally inspired by the uh the koali marcia which is a, a lamentation it's a specific Fuck type me. of uh, muslim <laughs> hymn. but the the singing the way that it was actually produced it, it <sighs> they decided that the uh the cultural sort of like uh you know feel for it was was more uh similar ben ben or was better for a gregorian chant so Fine. all right iris and alex what late 2000s sci-fi movie was made using the items and props from a planned but aborted halo film project was it a fuck? moon b district nine c elysium or d cowboys and aliens
2: okay uh, moon is a fantastic movie and everyone here should watch it but the yes. answer is b district nine final answer yeah
0: I, I think I have to agree. I remember hearing District Nine having some ties to Halo. I didn't remember. I well,
2: I, I saw District Nine when I was in theaters. Like I remember, like seeing all the 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 media about it. Like I am hundred percent certain of this. Okay, we'll go yeah, with
1: it. That's that's correct. <laughs> it was District Nine, which also a fantastic movie. Like uh, oh
2: yeah, fantastic. Very gory, very gory. I probably should not have watched it at the age of
1: twelve, but
3: <laughs> I need I need to rewatch that because I thought it was terrible. <laughs> anyway, keep going. All right.
1: Marcus, Michael's is dropping hot takes all over the Marcus place. Marcus said, Michael, The Waters of Mars is a TV episode that also features a highly infectious alien virus called The Flood, and aired as a part of which sci-fi series? Is it A, Star Trek Discovery, B, The Expanse, C, Black Mirror, or D, Doctor Who?
3: It's not The Expanse. I don't think it's Black Mirror either. I've seen most, if not all of that. It's not, uh, I I didn't watch Star Trek Discovery, but I wouldn't put it past them. I would imagine. I also wouldn't put it
4: past Doctor Who I would either. probably
3: say Doctor Who, honestly. Yeah, I, I was leaning Doctor
4: Who over Star Trek and anyway. right, We'll it. go with Doctor Who. Doctor okay. Who, final answer? Yeah. Final answer.
1: It is correct. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> nice. it one call, of Michael. these specials featuring David Tennant. And, Expanse, uh, by the way, watch great the show.
3: Great show, Expanse.
2: Yeah. Also, yeah. The Waters of Mars in particular, I've watched a lot of Doctor Who, but The Waters of Mars in particular is a fantastic episode for the ending scene with David Tennant being like, fuck the rules of time. I control time. I am the time <laughs> lord. And the... Anyway, you should watch it. All right. Russell T. Davies, great writer.
1: Iris and Alex. It is so hard coming up with names that are both good and original. And that's especially true for interstellar warships. Which of the following ships in UNSC Navy does not share its name with a popular song that exists in our world. <laughs> There's going to be all names of UNSC warships. I want you to give me one that is does also not share its name with a pop, popular song. We have A, the UNSC Glasgow Kiss, the B, UNSC Ready or Not, C, UNSC Bad Moon Rising, or D, UNSC Say My Name.
0: Oh, No.
2: <laughs> oh God. I don't I don't do pop music. <laughs>
0: um I feel like Glasgow Kiss has to be a real song. Yes, right? that does. That
2: does. Say um, my name, also Say has My Name to be a real yes. song. Uh Bad Moon Rising, maybe. What was the fourth one?
1: Uh Say My Name. Uh we have Glasgow Kiss, Ready or Not, Bad Moon Rising, oh. and Say My Name.
2: I feel like Ready or Not has to be a song.
0: Yeah. So I guess Bad I can I can also see Moon Rising, Rising as a song though. I could see it as a song,
2: but like I feel like of all of these it's the one that I'd be least surprised to find out was not a song. Okay, let's let's go with that.
1: Final well, answer. Yeah, Moon
2: Rising, final answer.
1: Incorrect. Back oh. to Marcus and so, Michael.
4: Believe it or not, I actually know that the UNSC Ready or Not and the UNSC Say My Name are real ships in the lore. <laughs> so that makes it very easy. For me, Andrew, it is Glasgow Kiss.
1: That is, that is correct. Uh, Glasgow Kiss is not a, uh, a real... So, so um, Ready or Not is uh, by the group uh, Fugees. It is one of the most popular hip-hop songs of the 1990s. Uh, Bad Moon Rising is a song by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Uh, very well-known popular rock, or classic rock song, I guess I should say. Because it's not pop music, it's, it's, it's classic rock. And then Say My Name is by the uh, all-time... You know, leaders of my heart, Destiny's Child, their oh, best-known yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, song, uh, Glasgow on, Kiss, is actually just slang for a headbutt. That's just hey. you know, specifically <laughs> a headbutt that splits your lip oh, open. Damn, that, a... that
3: makes so much sense
2: now. That's
1: <laughs> no, yeah, actually pretty on-brand. Uh, Glasgow
2: yeah. Kiss, a song by
3: John Petrucci.
2: Uh,
1: Iris, <laughs> we're going for we're going for popular songs here. I'm talking about like you know 100 it's plus also, million plays also, on Spotify.
3: <laughs> it's also not the name of a ship. Importantly. <laughs> Right? yeah i mean i i, oh.
2: I, thought, was I, I no, you know, no 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 bosco kiss like, is like, the
1: name of a ship what? Yeah. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, that's
2: what I, I thought. The premise. Yes, was those, powers, are those are all ships.
1: Those are all ships in the in the in the UNSC Looks like Navy. I got but lucky all right, with. back to uh, if, if
2: any if any of you uh, in the in the listeners have heard of John Petrucci, then uh, write to us. Our email is podcast at gmail.com, <laughs> and we're going to retroactively give us the point back.
1: <laughs> all right, uh, Marcus and Michael, Hammer, the main Pelican pilot featured in Halo Combat Evolved, takes her name from which of the following fictional weapons? Glamdring, Gandalf's sword from J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, Excalibur, the sword in the stone, Zeriel, the sword belonging to Ciri in the Witcher series, or Falchion, the sword wielded by Marth in Nintendo's Fire Emblem series.
3: Oh, fuck. I should know these. Oh, fuck.
1: <laughs> Fo- so, Foe Hammer so, is, so to, to clarify, Foe Hammer is the English translation of the name of one of these four swords, and that that's what I'm looking for.
2: This is a deep cut about my favorite side character in the Halo franchise.
4: Really? This is. Okay, okay. I okay. was depending on you, Michael, to help me with this one because I am a little bit lost here. But So, Foehammer, uh,
1: it that's the English translation of one of these four names. We've got Glamdring, which is Gandalf's I, I... sword. Yeah. Excalibur, which is the sword in the stone. Zeriel, which is the sword belonging to Ciri and the Witcher. And Falchion, which is the sword wielded by Marth. So, I can tell you
4: it's not Ciri's sword because that translates to swallow, I believe.
3: Yes. It's the uh, sword of destiny. It has two two edges. Sure. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, glamdring. I feel like I have heard somewhere that glamdring is called faux hammer. It's like in the fucking back of my head, and I can't, I can't bring it to the surface.
4: I will bring it to the surface for you, Michael. We're gonna go with glamdring. Fine, do answer. it.
1: Glamdring is correct. Yes. Nice. Glamdring, <laughs> nice. <Glamdring laughs> My lord. <is>, My lord. <laughs> Glamdring is Elvish or Cinderin for Fohammer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Excalibur um, is derived from an old Welsh compound word, which meaning means hard and cleft, so it's like you know a hard hit. Yeah. Um, Zirail, well, uh, well placed, Marcus is Elder speech for swallow, according to Andres Sapkowski. And Falcon just is Falcon. That's just... It's literally it, just yeah, another it's, word. It's just freaking,
3: Fire Emblem doesn't have that deep of lore.
2: A, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no. Anyone who's ever watched Critical Role knows what a Falcon is.
1: Iris and Alex. John117's full rank as a soldier in the UNSC is Master Chief Petty Officer, a rank which also currently exists in the United States Navy. Which of the following ranks is the next step up in seniority? Is it A, a Senior Chief Petty Officer... B <laughs> command chief petty officer oh no C command master chief petty officer <laughs> or D force chief petty officer
0: oh no
1: and to, to, to make it a little clearer it's it's you have choice between A senior chief B command chief C command master chief or D force chief
2: Senior Chief, Command Chief, Command Master Chief, and Force Chief. I feel but like Command Master Chief. Too wordy. Hmm. No, I don't think that's it. It's it, It's E6. It's an E6 level rank. Is that good enough?
0: No, it is not. <laughs> <'Cause> Petty,
2: <laughs> Master Chief, Petty Officer is an E7 rank. I actually don't know if the numbers go up or down, so that's a choice. <laughs> uh, I do know that Master Chief is E7, but um, I'm honestly between... I, I'm honestly tempted to say Senior Chief. Because it's still a chief, right? Like, like the force chief versus master chief seems kind of nebulous to me. Mm, command yeah. chief in command of what? You're not technically in command what? of a whole lot at that rank. You're an officer, but you're not, like, giving the orders. You're not a captain. I'll, I'll agree you're with You're not a the, sergeant. I'll agree with senior chief. We're going to go with senior chief, then. Senior chief, petty
0: officer, final answer.
1: Incorrect. I'm going to throw it back to Marcus and Michael.
0: If it's Command Master Chief, I'm going to be so mad. Honestly, I kind of want to go for Command Master Chief. Command Master Chief is what you do with the Xbox controller.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like how you mentioned it was too wordy, because honestly, I feel like Master Chief petty officer is already getting a little bit up there in terms of wordiness, so it doesn't put it past them, I I suppose. Force.
3: Force? Force, Force. yeah.
1: F-O-R-C-E.
0: Right.
4: What do you think, Marcus? I have no input. Um, We have command, command, master, and force. I think I probably would have leaned command.
3: I have a theory. Are you ready? I think that force, chief, is it because all the other words are words that we know for like senior and master and command, right? All those words are actually like words that make sense. Force is the only one that doesn't make sense. Therefore, he wouldn't include it in the options is force, chief.
2: It makes sense. I have, what are you talking
4: about? I have no choice but to agree with he Michael's the Force. He commands the Force. of
2: It's troops. Force
3: Chief. Final answer.
1: <laughs> Incorrect. Oh, Fuck! Uh, oh, the correct answer was actually, sorry Alex, it was Command Master Chief. <laughs> I knew uh,
0: it! I can't believe I let <laughs> you talk me out answer. of that. So,
3: sorry I, Alex, I let
1: it down. This was a, a perfect sort of, like, uh, Master Chief goes slots right in the middle of those, so Senior Chief is actually two ranks below, and Force Chief is two ranks above. Damn! Is is how? Wait, what, how what about in.
3: Command Chief?
1: Yeah, that's one rank below Master Chief.
4: Damn! Interesting. So it goes: Senior then Command, command, then, command, command master. then Master, then Command Master, then... Flight. No, no. There's one more <laughs> be- between then that. Then one one more forms, of right? Is that what you said?
1: No, it's uh, it's something like that. It, it's 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 those are the five Fun. in a row, basically.
2: Okay. It's painfully clear believe- that none of us have ever been involved <laughs> in real militaries <laughs> in any way. All right. I can't believe it is lie about any of those.
1: This Every one is one for all, all egg- the marbles, Marcus and Michael. Which of the following franchises, already examined on this podcast, are more valuable than Halo?
3: Oh, uh, valuable in terms of like. Franchise? Uh, in terms of
1: of revenues, yeah. Oh, sure. Move
3: okay. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. Ice Age. Shrek. Ben 10, or Beauty and the Beast.
3: Okay, oh. wow. Marcus, I have a hunch that Ice Age makes freaking bank.
4: Michael, I'm going to have to stop you on this <laughs> one real quick. I'm serious. That
3: Why that the happens. frick would they make six movies? Like, what are they doing?
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Why would they make six movies? Six movies. And freaking, like, TV spin-offs? <gasps>
1: The this, was beast, my, the beast this is my magnum <laughs> opus of a question. Oh my
0: God. <laughs> this is a great question. I just
4: want to say... This one is, is is really busting me right now. So,
3: okay, is it... I'm sorry if this is asking too much. Is it the case that only one of these is larger than Halo? The other ones are less than Halo? Correct. Okay.
1: That's good clarification. That That is correct. One of these four options is more valuable than Halo.
3: Shrek. Well, there was the musical. There was a musical. No, but there was... Was there an Ice Age musical? Fuck. <laughs> there was an Ice Age on ice, right? That that has to exist. That made the money that it is part of the IP. Sorry, what were the other two? There was...
1: You have uh, A, Ice Age, B, and... B yeah. Shrek, C, sure. Ben 10, or ben D, 10. Beauty and the Beast.
3: Beauty and the Beast. Well, Beauty and the Beast is so old that it, ha- it takes the lead in terms of, like, time. Like, ugh. Oh, God, if it's...
4: Yeah. Well, see, the reason why I'm leaning Ben 10 is because I feel like Ben 10 is the only one that has toy revenue in there. The other three are mm. old enough or weren't popular enough that they can't... They can't realistically create merchandise yeah, for them, where I feel point. like Ben 10 might actually still be selling. That's a good point. That being said, Ben 10 has only really been limited to TV. Yeah. Maybe the straight to DVD for, for me right now is between twice, it's so. between
3: Ice Age and Ben 10 what what are your thoughts
4: I'm not really sure it's Ice Age Ice Age feels like what you do when you realize that you've run out of ideas so you just make shitty movies hey yeah, you make bank off you it can. <laughs> Did they really make bank off of the 6th movie though? I don't I'm not really sure know about that. Better than the Shrek 3 <laughs> Yeah, but didn't Shrek 4 like actually make Shrek, more money Shrek 4 or something? Was like, it was like a it was like a revival of the IP. I or guess something. so. We need to have an
3: answer. Uh We're talking like we're experts on any <laughs> one of these. We're, we're literally just I, I will go with Ben 10 if you want to do Ben 10. I think we'll we'll take Ben okay.
2: 10. Sure. Let's do that. Final answer? Yes. Final answer.
1: Correct answer. Is ben yes. Ben 10. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you 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 absolutely hit the nail on
3: the I, head with the tornado. I think the tort so revenue
1: is huge. You're you're on. In order, Ben 10 is valued at 7.85 billion. Jeez. Halo comes in at 6.5 billion. Oh. Ice Age ranks at 6.42 billion. Okay, I was what? close. Wow. Shrek wow. is valued I'm at 5.84 billion, and Beauty and the Beast ranks at 4.94 billion.
0: I can't believe Ice Age is so high. Come on. <laughs> it's. it's, you can it's, only it's, it's yeah.
1: When I saw that, when I was really, I was very, very impressed uh, with, with that. Uh, and Marcus, you are absolutely right. It's, it is, it's entirely toy revenue. It's not even like syndication. It's not advertisement from reruns. It is just toy revenue. That
4: That's like, that's like three hard hitting, 100% accurate points
2: that I dropped on this
4: episode. Alone. I just want to say, job, yeah, I don't know. I don't know long.
2: what like, what Michael you're saying with Marcus doesn't have good takes. <laughs> that's just like factually incorrect. Oh jeez. I'm winning right. over this right
0: now. Congratulations
1: and Michael, you guys do officially win this trivia quarter. <laughs> Command, yeah. Master
0: so. Command Master Chief.
2: Command Master Chief. Yeah,
0: I'm going to I'm going to be steaming about that for the next week. <laughs> okay, you know what? You deserve it for for listening to things. you. No, you deserve it for that Kirby play against Lil Mac. All right. All right. Now it we're talking about things creepy. outside of the podcast. So let's wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> that'll do it for us. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And thank you, Andrew, for joining us and bringing us this wonderful trivia corner and your wisdom, that your infinite awesome. wisdom. Honestly, this is the first. It's the first time one of our guests has ever led a
2: segment, and I think it went pretty fucking spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. if
4: it had to be anybody, it's Andrew. Though you are
0: legendary in the the trivia mind space, I suppose. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, but um, what? So once again, thank you so much for listening, everybody. This week's YouTube video suggested by Andrew is called "Grunts Are People Too," which is an old old machinima. Uh, which is a video created using vi- uh, video game assets, Umi game itself to tell a story. So uh, check that out. I don't exactly know how well it's aged, so be warned when you watch it. <laughs> badly, very um, badly,
1: but it's still it's hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, it's
2: got such nostalgia for for us like we quoted this as kids oh, so much.
0: Oh god. And um just like your local book club, we announced the uh video and movie series that you can watch with us the next time we you join us next week. And that video, I should say that movie is The Lion King, which we will be covering covering next week. So, uh join us then and once again, thank you so much for listening, folks. You will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thanks,
4: everyone.